Welcome to the art and science of complex sales. You've joined us in the coaching quarter. This podcast is dedicated to elevating the sales profession. Our listeners range from first-time salespeople to seasoned sales leaders and driven CEOs. They all come to learn from the best in the business. As we interview top sales transformation specialists, go-to-market leaders, revenue thought leaders, and more with only one question on our minds, how we get better together. This 12-episode quarter brought to you by Membrane.com will start to hone in on a key element in performance, sales coaching. Each of our guests speaks to this a bit differently and brings their own unique take, but all cover the topic, how to execute, and the exponential impact it makes. So let's start shining bright and get kicked off with today's guest. Say what? Say James Buckley, our guest for today's podcast. James is host of the Daily Sales Show at Sell Better with a mission to walk along sales professionals as they develop the skills and best practices needed to find sales success, James is part of one of the top sales programs in the world. A consummate practitioner and sales leader, James can speak fluently and execute on everything from prospecting to account management and the leadership systems and coaching you need for success. You can find him online on social at Say What Sales, and today you can hear him talking sales and coaching right here on this pod. So let's get started with James Buckley. My man, James, how the hell are you? What is going on, my friend? How are you? I am super excited. Uh, Coming on to the Art and Science of Complex Sales, Mr. James Buckley, and we have a lot to talk about. That's right. I'm excited uh, to be here because there's so much to unpack in what's happened just in recent months, like I think we used to talk about what happened last year, and now we're talking about like what happened this quarter. <laughs> yeah, well, it used to, and then it was like, well, what the the how we sold in the eighties, you know, and that didn't change for the entire the decade of the like, well, from like eighty to eighty five or ninety five. Right. Yeah, and then we're we're doing stuff now. I think in in months that used to take decades. It's a different monster out there right now. And I think the best sellers on the front lines are being extremely fluid and very agile. Yes. So let's yeah. dive. We're going to dive heavy into that, dive heavy into coaching and some other cool topics. But first off, I have to put you through the ringer and I have to ask you to define sales. Yep. Uh, I actually have a, a very simple definition of sales. All Selling right. your service or product to someone that actually needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that actually needs it. How the hell would we ever find that out, James? Oh my gosh. Let's talk about discovery and qualification <laughs> and research and, you know, the things that actually matter when you're reaching out to a prospect with some sort of relevant relevance and meaningful trigger that actually matters to the value proposition you're about to put in front of them. <laughs> well, and that is the stuff that is changing at the rate that I think is, I mean, it's, 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 when you talk about it, it is the ability to access that information and process it and all the different types of information that are out there are changing as, at as such a rate that is, yeah. it's, it was unfathomable, you know, 20 years ago. Like, how do, how do you find SDRs and sales reps dealing with this on an ongoing basis? Because the, the rise of technology to combat the problem is not the solution, quite honestly. Uh, you know, I agree with you there. I think that there are a couple of classes of sales rep that are emerging right now. There are non-adopters. These are people that refuse to change. Uh, they don't want new products. They don't want new services. They just want to keep doing the same thing they've been doing. 
These are the same people that are constantly on PIP programs, the same people that are in their one-on-ones talking about all the reasons they didn't hit their quota, but they refuse to do anything differently than what they've been doing. Non-adopters are usually found on the bottom 10%. I think that the second class of salesperson, which is probably the majority, are people that are a little bit confused right now, but they're willing. They're willing to test things. They want to see stuff. They want to like think about their flows and figure out what pieces that they can add to their existing tech stack or their existing routines to be able to impact their pipelines and their customers and their needs, find new accounts even, or even like triggers to a, a named account that they might have. These people are fluid, very agile. They move quite well with the company and the changes that have to happen for them to find success. And then there's that top 1%. These people just have it dialed in, right? They know how to set up alerts. They get emails that break down all the triggers for them so that they can reach out to their prospects with relevance and timeliness. Um, They are great at minimizing their language so that they're not writing people novels. They're great at using things like ChatGPT for research and streamlining that information that comes to them that they can use to their advantage in their messaging. They're great at not convincing, not persuading, but actually finding out, discovering that their prospects need what they have and they're selling it to them because they need it, not because they can. Um, I think the modern seller that's at the top of the, of the game right now is selling contracts that don't churn. You never want to close on a problem for your customer success team. And that, that I think is what is keeping the cream rising to the top right now in 2023 and beyond is like, we are almost there before you even talk to somebody that's going to close the deal. Uh, so that's those are the three classes that I see emerging at the moment. Who knows? In three months, it could be like five more classes. It could be completely <laughs> different. Yeah. Well, it, I, there's a couple of things to unpack there that I want to dive into. One thing, I, I did this post on LinkedIn the other day, which was kind of funny. It was a, it was a well, maybe it was funny. People... <laughs> I I have no freaking clue. Um, It was meant to be funny, Uh, but it was a parody of like all of the, Hey Paul, I just saw you on LinkedIn. Hey Paul, I just kind of wanted to do this on LinkedIn. Hey Paul, you're, you complete me. You know, all the, the LinkedIn messages that you get that are just like, Hey Paul, you have a remarkable Um, job history. Can we talk about some franchise opportunities? (laughs) Well, the best, the best is, uh, um, hey, Paul, I love your work. Mm. I, always, I always say, Paul, I don't know if you do this, but I'm always like, what work are you referring to? You know, exactly. I, I never get a reply. It, well, so you have your bottom 10 percenters in that. What was fascinating to me was uh, in that part of it is somebody just messaged me and the, the top of it was, hey, Paul, hey, in big uh exclamation marks and then the next was hey paul this and hey paul this and and then a bunch of laughing emojis then he referenced the post that i made went down my linkedin and said hey you might be dealing with these couple of things if you are i'd love to start a relationship i bet you like it's your attention it's like bad ass yeah right yeah yeah i will tell you I i will tell you that people that mention the content that i create i will ignore other messages to give those people the attention I want to talk to people that actually know who I am and what I do, not people that are reaching out in my DM saying, where are you from and what's your name? Mm-hmm. Like, yo, pardon me, but F off with all that, right? Like you're wasting my time. It's very obvious. You've not done a lick of research. Had a guy reach out to me just this morning with his second touch. He started with following up. If you know <laughs> me for five minutes, you know, 
I don't say that shit and I don't ignore, I completely ignore people that start off their messages that way. Following up, touching base, checking in, just throw it out of your vernacular, right? Just get rid of it. The other thing that he's pitching me on is prospecting on LinkedIn. I'm like, dude, do you know what I do for a living? Do you have any idea? So I gave him some advice. I was like, let me give you some advice. First of all, this is not of interest to me. And five minutes worth of research would have told you that. Second, please write emails to your prospects and stop batching and blasting all this nonsense, this trash messaging. Every seller needs to heed those words right now. I'm not saying you can't use automation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a different use case for automation that is not your templated, can I have 15 minutes of your time to pitch you on my product that I don't even know if you need yet. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and I think you, we talked about the evolution of how fast sales has gone, right? And, and over the 20 years, I think we, we, have done, we did ourselves a disservice from 2000 to 2015 because... And I was a part of that, right? Because that the elevation of of more messaging became the goal, not the yeah. elevation of, of even though we did all the content stuff and the content marketing and this, that, and the other. Mm. The salesperson, if you sent a hundred messages, then you could send a thousand messages, and you were likely at that point because you were on the front end of that early adoption to even to get the response rate. I and remember that top bottom percent has not given that up. I know it. I know it. And I'll tell you, I remember 2014, 2015, when I would have my marketing person send out 8,000 emails in my name from Pardot or Marketo. And I would leave for the day on in the afternoon or the early evening on a Thursday. And I'd come in on a Friday and have inbox 300. Mm -hmm. And my job, my literal job was to parse through all of those emails and prioritize the ones that said, sure, I'd love to talk about this. Sure, I'd love a call to learn more. And then go through and mark all the other ones that said unsubscribe, not interested. Mark them all in my CRM as whatever the disposition was that they responded. Don't reach out again. Unsubscribe. Don't talk to me ever again. Like We have those dispositions and check those boxes so that they'd stop getting our emails. Right? Later, mm-hmm. I learned this was the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. Because no thank you and never talk to me again don't mean the same thing. <laughs> Tell me more about that, actually, because I, I, I want you to th- let's dive on this for every, anybody that, that wants to dive on that. That's a good diving point. It's true. A little segue. Uh, I, I, so first of all, most of the time when we talk about responses that are what I lovingly refer to as prospect brush offs, mm-hmm. right? You hear it on cold calls, you get it in emails. Unsubscribe me, take me off your list, remove me. How'd you get my email? These are great, right? What this basically means is I'm, I don't want this. This is not something I'm interested in. Well, no shit, right? I'm calling people for a living. I've never had a call. I've been like, hey, what's going on? I'm calling about this thing. And they're like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this call my entire life. We do the same thing in emails. And we think to ourselves, like, if somebody says not interested, I should probably remove them from my list. No. Instead, what you should do is watch them. Keep track of them. Where did they go? What are they doing? Do you have success in that industry, in that space? Does that person that said, I'm not interested in this, even work at that company that you originally reached out to them at? Like, probably not because churn is so high. We have to stop removing people that don't tell us specifically to remove them. And even if they tell you to remove them, there's a great chance that if you send a blank connection request on LinkedIn, they're going to accept you. 41% chance, in fact. If that's true, Okay, no problem. Thanks for getting back to me. I've removed you from our email list. My LinkedIn connection request is pending. They connect on LinkedIn. Now I can DM them. Hey, we're doing this great event. 
hey, I got this great guide. Thought you'd appreciate it based on your role. Hey, I'm reaching out to people just like you because we're doing this questionnaire and I'd love it if you took time to fill this out for me, right? You can do all of these things to get the engagement. We've gone from, can I get this person halfway through my sales funnel before I connect them to an account executive to, damn it, how do I get this person to respond to me, to Mm -hmm. not delete my email, to actually open it? We have taken two, three steps back intentionally, and that had to have happened because engagement has to happen before any other chasm can be crossed. This is one of the things that's fi- I'm finding fascinating, and I, um, which I think actually the if you talk about the assembly line of sales, I think the assembly line of sales has to change, and it is changing in a lot of organizations mm-hmm. because of that very reason. Because mm-hmm. I need to be because I need to be highly skilled across the at understanding the needs and wants and uh, impacts of an individual before I even chat with them. I need to be really highly skilled at that. And then if I'm going to just hand that off to somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else with like the four step, you know, I'm going to set a meeting here. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do this here. I mean, I'm finding that changing in a big way because people need to be able to carry that through a whole fluid conversation. Well, that's one reason. There's a couple of reasons it's changing. There's quite a few, but I'll name a couple just because I I feel like we're watching this change and we should probably know why. Number Mm -hmm. one, salespeople are getting really good at becoming scientists. They're collecting the data. The, The tools that they use will tell them if something is working. Great salespeople, sales, well, I should say salespeople that are just slightly above average, mm-hmm. can look at that data and make an informed decision. Hey, I A-B tested this same message with these two subject lines. This subject line had a 72% open rate, and this one had a 35% open rate. Guess which subject line I should be using moving forward? This one, the one that has the higher open rate. It's the same body of the email. It's the same call to action. It's the same resource I'm giving them. But this subject line was more attractive to my buyers. The artist behind the salespeople is starting to think, okay, now what does that mean? How can I interpret that to use it to my advantage as I move forward and keep that momentum going with my prospect to earn a conversation, a relationship, and thus an opportunity? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that a key, and we're going to let's dive into the a core topic of today, which is coaching, because I think this is the way. It's very fluid, but it it is the way. I have a thesis, and it's not a it's not a new thesis, right? It's a very old thesis that it says there's three three areas that people need to focus on: trans talent, right people, right seats. We arm them with the ability to transform. So transformation, which is Mm -hmm. how do they become leaders, self-leaders? How do they understand the product? How do they get the fluid on all the time coaching that they need, that type of stuff? And three, what is the technology that they need to leverage and empower how they work in the marketplace? One of the things I really want to focus on today is that transformation, because I think that's so critical now in taking taking that. We we talked before this is, you know... (laughs) The, the lie of taking an SDR and saying, oh, you're only going to be an SDR for three months and be happy about it. And, and next you're going to be an AE. And that's, why not bring them in and treat them as a leader immediately and start with the coaching, start empowering them and coaching them to be a great rep immediately. So coaching. I went on a little soliloquy there, but no, I, I can appreciate what is the saying. importance. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you're seeing out there in the sales coaching realm. Okay. So uh, there are a few things that are worth mentioning when it comes to where coaching is headed. First of all, I work with a gentleman, you might know him by the name of John Barrows. 
John and I have been friends a long time. And one of the things that he says all the time is that coaching stands to be impacted the most by this, this surge of AI that's coming into our space. When I hear the word coaching, I interpret that as a change in behavior. That's how I interpret the word coaching. What's the okay. point of coaching a young man on second base, for example, if you can't get him to catch the ball when it's thrown to him and get the out, right? You have to change the behavior. What I think is happening is reps, and I'm, I'm echoing, I hear like John Barrows yelling in my head right now because we talk about <laughs> this all the sorry, time. Sorry, John. Sorry. No, not sorry, John. I'm not going to sorry, John. Screw it. He's going to support this. Like, oh, good, good. Okay, not sorry. Not sorry. Yeah. It's yeah, your IP, no. John. No, this is like, this is, I'm like regurgitating shit that he says because he sees this on the front line all the time as like a full fledged trainer and coach that deals with this every day. But think about it from this perspective for a minute, right? We live in a very sensitive world. People are extremely sensitive in the modern age. There's marches and riots and, you know, emotional like out callings and, you know, people are constantly being isolated and, you know, uh, it's a polarizing world. We, somebody might say something and we might think we're homophobic and, oh my God, like this is like a whole thing. I'm going to go to a lawyer now and make this big thing and we're going to be on the news. Like, you know, this is, this is the world we live in. When you remove the person from the coaching, the person that's giving the feedback, you remove the bias. You remove the personal problem that somebody might have with that, that feedback coming downward to them. So this solution, this AI advancement in coaching and the change of behavior in our salespeople is actually doing way more good than it is harm. I think there's still some room for advancement and uh, adjustment, right? Uh, language things, natural language processing stuff, coding stuff on the back end to catch stuff and interpret it as another way. Um, for example, like identifying somebody's needs versus calling out the problem. Are those the same? I don't know, right? But this is what's happening in the coaching space right now with companies like Wonderway, who are launching these AI solutions that actually give the seller feedback after they upload that call and, and say like, okay, I, I wanted to use Medic, or I wanted to use Spin, or I wanted to use Bant, or I wanted to have command of the sale or I wanted to use gap selling in this call. Can you analyze it and tell me how I did? And it'll be like, you you got an 81. Here are the places where you can improve upon. It's unbiased. It's direct to the salesperson. There's no animosity. There's no human interaction there. So you don't feel like you're being persecuted on the front lines. This is a avenue for changing the behavior on your sales team overall and having the best possible one-on-ones you can have. I always think when I think about one-on-ones, I think of my friend GB, Gabrielle Blackwell. She is a one-on-one fanatic, has a great newsletter called The One-on-One. Amazing. When you coach somebody one-on-one, I hope you know where they need improvement. These tools like Wonderway that are out there can give you that information and you can be very effective. You can do it in real time and remove that tension between you and that seller that thinks you have a problem with them when you don't. Right. Or that feels some type of way about you giving them a downward feedback because they, you know, nobody likes to be criticized. Coaching has to be mutual. Somebody has to be delivering the feedback, but that person on the other end has to be willing to receive it. And that's what's changing in the coaching space. We are removing the tension for that behavior to change. I have some challenges to this and I also have some, so, so some ahas. So. Let's talk about some of the ahas and dive into those first. And then we'll, we'll, then I want to talk about some of the challenges. So 
ahas. So when you talk about, and some of the things I really like, like a coaching, like a wonder way or whatever, whatever we're using, being able to give that feedback is that objectivity, right? I love that. And I love being able to use it and walk through it and say, okay, we got this. This is objective. And what do you think about that? And a sales rep responding to it. My question about that aha is like, how do you, you're out there market all the time. You're talking to sales reps all the time. How do they see that? Mm. They see it as objective. They see it as manufactured. Do they see it as like, where does, where's the market on that? So this is where the adjustment I think still has to happen. Uh, Rubber meets the road. It has to catch things. I used the example of defining somebody's pain point or discussing their needs. Well, if the machine learning that you're using is not able to differentiate between those two things, you could lose points on the score when you get it back. That might frustrate a user. But what we're talking about here is something that's designed to give you feedback. It does not mean it's criticizing you. You don't have to internalize that and th- and say, oh, well, this program says that I suck at sales. <laughs> Take a step back, right? This is a program that just captures your language and then gives you some things where you might consider improving. It's not saying you're bad at this, right? One of the first steps in coaching is, are you coachable? Notice how that has nothing to do with the coach themselves. Lots of stuff you can talk about on the coach side. But when you're talking about the recipient side, it's on us, the front lines, the seller, to take that feedback and go, okay, what's right here? What can I agree with? Versus what's just like systematic that's like a little bit off and I can kind of take it as it comes and take it with a grain of salt and make a small change or go back and listen to it and say like, what's it trying to say here? If you have the time to do this, that's great. Most people don't. So what you do is you look at the initial feedback that you get and you find those big things that you can think about on your next call to make a change. Or you go back and you look at the language and you go, oh, it said I did that really well. Okay. These are the things I did well. Make some columns, right? These are some things I can use improvement on. What am I going to change in my talk track now to bring these things over here? And maybe I'll run that test again after my next call, see if I get a higher score. Mm -hmm. Again, we're back to science. We have to become scientists in the modern sales society. We can't, we can't just be artists. Oh, I hope that someone likes my painting. No. What do people like about my paintings? Why do they purchase them? Well, the reasons are all the things I'm going to create more of. This is a scientific approach to painting, right? This has to exist in our sales teams. We have to teach them how to think this way. Because if we don't coach them to think this way, they're always going to be searching for those leads. They're always going to be hoping that something comes their way. Maybe this will close. My friend Roderick Jefferson, who's a sales enablement strategist, one of the best in the business, will tell you that hope is not a strategy. That's like his hashtag. Mm -hmm. Hope is not a strategy. And too many reps come into the day every day and make their 200 required phone calls, hoping that they get a meeting. Stop this madness. You are spinning your wheels and you're going to fall out of the bucket as the bottom 10% if you don't change your behavior. So this leads to my challenge. This is, this is beautiful because I am, I'm actually in agreement with everything that you said. hundred percent, hundred percent in agreement. But there's uh, a side of you that's like, actually... But, but no, here's where my challenge comes is, is uh, because I do think, I think the best of the best, right. Are going to take that, that top 10% is going to take the AI and they're going to be like, boom. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can change that. I can do that. I can do this. Wonderful. I think the middle percent is going to take it and they're going to get maybe a point out of it and they're going to move on. I think the bottom 10% are not going to use it. 
So where I would add the one thing and that I think is, is critical that I think we have neglected for the past 20 years in sales, however long it is. Talk to me, buddy. <laughs> is building, building leaders. I think a coach, I think a coach's effect, I think, because you, at the beginning, you said we live in a sensitive world. We absolutely live in an extremely sensitive world. It's true. What if we build people? What if what are one of our main goals, because you're a salesperson, is to come in and say, guess what? <laughs> you're going to need to understand what it takes to, to take criticism. You're going to need to understand how it, it takes to work with people across the spectrum. That's what we do at a very, very, and I think that's where the coach needs to move to. I think the rest become tools. So I, I 100% know where you're coming from and I support it. I'm going to give everybody that's listening in on this a phrase that I use when I give somebody feedback that I think might make them feel some type of way about what I said. And this is the phrase. I say it every time. All right. I give them the good stuff. I say, hey, you know, thanks. We're going to jump in. Uh, for example, if I am reviewing somebody's sales videos, that happens to me a lot. James, I'm sending videos. I'm not getting responses. Can you help me? Absolutely. Send me some videos that you're sending and I'll write some feedback. We'll hop on for 15 and I'll let you know some things you can make changes. Let's do that. So I get in, I do it. I watch the videos and then I hop on the call. I give them the good first. I always want people feeling that dopamine hit, feeling like, all right, all right, all right, because it preps them like, but right. Just like you and I earlier where I was like, but right. And you were like, totally right. It happens very naturally. It's organic. So then you say, all right, before I get into the the stuff I think you can improve on, I want you to know I'm about to hurt your feelings. Cool. Mm-hmm. No one says no. Everybody goes, oh, they get excited. They're like, all right, let's go. Like, this is where I get the shit that I really need. If you say this, it's a yep. preposition. It gets them ready to take that hit. It's like putting on the pads in MMA, right? I'm putting the pads on so we can spar. The same thing happens. All right, I'm going to hurt your feelings. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Prep them first. Don't just yes. be, you know, in with the spears and the arrows. You got to get them ready for that. Yeah. I think the tech that's out there, I mentioned Wonderway. I'll do it a third time. Wonderway is great for this. The tech that's out there will help you to know, okay, I can say these things are great. And that's going to build them up. They're going to feel that. Then, like a military mind, I'm going to tear them down again because I need them to go to work on themselves. And you leave them with that, the things they need to work on themselves. I have never had a coaching call or a strategy call with John Barrows where he did not say, James, focus on this. Next time we talk, I want to hear X. Yes. And I go, okay. And I write that shit down. And that is my goal. (laughs) I stick it on a post-it. It lives on my monitor. I stare at it every day until I get it right. (laughs) I'm going to give you, I'm going to show actually right here two post-its because I just had a session with my coach last week. The first one says event response outcome. The second one says in the moment lead serve. (laughs) Those are my post-its for my monitor. Mine says, say less. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, and that is, that tech I think is great. And actually we're in the midst of, we're, we're actually rolling out some tech that can help, that helps with this as well. But it's one of those things to be able to the, and that's where I think coaches need to go. And I don't mm. think, I don't think that many are going to take to the self coaching and just own it and love it. Right. There's a million apps about there about self-betterment. I have them all over my phone. And you know how many people use them? There's like three, <laughs> you know, but I love it as a tool set to drive deep into the personal and drive e- 
when I say creating leaders, that's what I mean. I mean, taking, building people enough that they can take that feedback and understanding and then go actually do something and then holding them accountable to it. And I think that's really critical. I think we need a, I personally think we need a most people. And I'm going to say this as a most people. Yeah. There's a, a number of self-starters out there that crush it and they love to be by themselves and they go out and they're entrepreneurs and they make, and they're great salespeople in that top 10%. I think everybody else, me included, needs that handhold. Yeah. I, I liken sales coaching in the modern age to being a parent. I am a parent. I have four teenagers. They all officially hate us. <laughs> Your teenagers Hi. that you manage, that you coach, they all feel the same way. They hate you. Uh, and it's okay. Fucking, you know, breathe it in. It's all right. But here's the thing. There's no manual. Nobody gets taught how to lead that team. The people hacking part of leadership is the hardest part. You're either really good at motivating people and building them up and tearing them down in the right effective ways, or you're not a people person that's re- that should be in leadership, right? Leaders are molded, built, born. They're steady. They're consistent. They work on themselves as well as their team. They do team activities, right? People often promote their top performing sales rep. I find that these people often make terrible leaders. Mm -hmm. Just because they're great sellers doesn't mean that other people can sell like them. And that's what happens. I am guilty of this. I am not throwing stones or casting aspersions. I was top sales rep. I took over the team and it failed because no one wanted to do it the way that I do it. I was okay with that. I had to embrace it. The fact that I'm different and that's okay. The idea is to build in on their other strengths, the things that they are good at and find places where they're weak and focus on those things so that they can become a complete well-rounded seller. That takes time. One of the things I learned from GB is that you need both. On one side, there's the actions that they need to take. Work on this, get better at that. There's another side, the things they're doing really well already. You need that praise, but then there's the personal side and we can take a step back here and talk about how leaders can impact creating other leaders at day one in the interview phase. And I find that this is where, where you mentioned when we were talking earlier, uh, you know, you mentioned these reps coming in, they're three months in and they're like, Oh, I should be an account executive by now. Right. This, I hear this all the time. Uh, you, You talk to a rep and it's their, it's their first week, you know, and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm drinking from a fire hose. And you know, I could really use some help just organizing everything. So you get on the 15 minute call with them and you're like, where can I add value? How can I help you? And then immediately they're like, wow, you know, I'm so happy to be here. This is like such a big opportunity. It's the most money I've ever made in my entire life. This is incredible, especially if it's their first sales job and they were like managing a Burger King before mm-hmm. this. Right. And, and they're like, this is amazing. I feel so blessed. Six months later, you hop on that same call with that same rep. And they're like, if I'm not an account executive in three months, I'm going to quit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Why is this? Ha- what happened to that person that I spoke with just not a couple months back that was so amped and pleased and blessed, right? <laughs> like, what is that? Here's what it is. When they sat down at that interview, somebody said to them, don't worry. This is just a stepping stone. Don't worry. This is just a starting point. Don't worry. And this is probably the worst one. Don't worry. A year from now, you'll be an account executive and none of this prospecting stuff will matter. None of that shit is true. If you've heard that in an interview, tuck tail and run. That is a bad leader setting a bad precedent for your entire career. <laughs> uh, I can't agree with you more. Amen. I think I'm at a point where I think we really should be trying like 
people, especially hiring more seasoned reps, uh, but even the even younger ones, we should almost actively be trying to, to dissuade them. Mm. <laughs> Meaning, you, you got to find the things in that interview process that are really going to bug them about the job, and you need to tell them the truth about that. Yeah, like, and if you don't, like, because. If if you don't, you end up with people that want to leave quick, and and where you see the turnover that we see, like, and you don't build leaders, you don't build people that you want to invest. I mean, I, I was an entrepreneur. I started, and I had a great mentor that always would tell me. He would say, he'd "Say, man, you are hiring somebody that you could potentially walk the rest of your life with." That's right. You know, and so treat everyone like that. And and there's a there's this fascinating thing now with this that that we don't it's not fascinating it's just the truth we don't do that like oh, i gotta fill a freaking role get that sdr in there yeah so you know, tell them anything it. tell them anything tell them anything i just need the activity on my scorecard yeah you know? that's horse shit i mean it's complete so i'm just agreeing with you in a long form i feel like there's a generational gap that's uh we're in the middle of right now and I think we're always in the middle of it. There's always a segment of dated leaders that are retiring and being replaced by younger reps, younger leaders that have a different mentality. But more has been the norm coming from the top down for too many decades now that it's become the standard. That's the answer that everybody gets when you go to a one-on-one and I know that everybody that's listening to this is probably going to be shaking their head. Heck yeah, man. I hear this all the time. When you go to a one-on-one, one of the first things they'll look at is the numbers. How many calls did you make? How many emails did you send? How many ops did you create? How many deals did you close? The data is what they're going to pull out first, or at least they should. Like, you know, that's the reason that we have it is so we can hold you accountable. Know that sellers, mm-hmm. right? Once they give you the data, the answer that they give you if you missed the number or if you're not on track to miss the number is inevitable. Well, if I were you, I would go back and I would work on my call numbers, you know, uh, see how many more emails you can get out in a day to try to get those meetings up. You know, what they don't say is, what do you think that you can change yourself to have better results and let that rep think for themselves? Let them look yeah. at the data and say, is more really the answer? Usually I find not. I find that the answer is slow down. Read something about your prospects. Know their role. Figure out if it's a fit. Uh, one of the best things that John Barrows says when we bring people in, when we talk to them about sales, why do you want to work with that company? <laughs> do you even know what they do? Mm-hmm. Please visit their website, for example, before you send a templated email. Is there anything on the website that might indicate that they could use what you have? These are steps that modern reps take that modern leaders, I should say outdated leaders, are disagreeing with. They're like, oh, more. They just need to make more calls. They just need to send more emails. That's because when you were a seller in your prime, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We were not nearly as connected as we are now. So your mentality as somebody who rarely logs into a computer in the first place is more. I'm not scorning these leaders. They're products of their environment and their upbringings. But if you are 55, 60 years old and you are a sales leader, 
that's not in tech or SaaS. Because tech SaaS people that have come up with Microsoft and everything, like it's a different breed. But if you sell like fixtures or furniture or something, there are tools out there, man. Wake up, dude. Join us online where the rest of the world lives. <laughs> James, you might have just pissed off half my audience. I think we're going to have to end the show now. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I, I will talk to any of them and show them stuff. I, like, I want to connect with them and help them. I, you know, there are companies out there with 40,000 employees that are still writing on carbon copies and pulling on doors, driving around in company cars. Stop this madness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I love the... Uh, the slowdown is is so incredible. And then the second is, and it goes back to my building leaders, like in the talent side, it's like, if you're going to invest in the people that you invest in, you need to be able to give them. It's true. You need to be able to give them some autonomy and strength over their own, over, success. over how they do things, over their own success. And they love you for it. Like, because you're, you're there for them. You empower them to you empower own their them. Yeah. And it's funny. I was having a great conversation, a gentleman down from the UT professor down from UT Dallas. Uh, and just, he, he goes in and he finds these, uh, are you talking about Dover? Yeah. Yeah. Dover. Dover. <laughs> great guy. Dover great, and I've been each other for seven years, man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's just an amazing yeah. dude. He's fascinating. And then he'll bring, he'll bring his, this, these cohorts of students into companies, you know, large tech companies. And then they turn out to be some of the successful, most successful oh, yeah. uh, people in that organization. And they do it. One of the things that he's been observing is they do it because they are so fluid. They're able to be fluid and make decisions. If you let them, you have to allow them to make if decisions, you allow them to do it. Cause then they'll figure it out. And then they figure out, Oh, here's how I get into here. Here's how I get into here. Cause they've, that's what they've done. So I think it's that, that big deal that they got to that empowerment, that coaching, the building leaders, we're on the same page, man. I, I think, uh, well, yo, I pissed uh, we're, in, we're in the new audience. realm. We're in a new realm of, uh, where, where this is going to go. And it's, it's going so fast. It's true. I, I pissed off half of your audience. I'm, I'm going to piss off the other half now. Good. Uh, I'm going to say this to frontline reps and I'm going to say it. To He's got two middle fingers up, by the way. It's just, so yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Like straight up. Like I'm, I'm as a forthcoming as I can be. I don't hide who I am. Like, listen to the reps. It's nobody's job to make you successful. Yes. That is your responsibility to the leaders. It's not your responsible to make sellers happy. Yes. You're responsible to make them win. Amen, brother. Preach. <laughs> I'm I, about the sales sermon. Like we should do like Sunday sales sermons. Oh God, that would be fun. That would be fun. We'd do a Saturday night, Saturday night service. Saturday night sales service. Absolutely, man. Holy uh, shit. That would be thank you fun. for joining us today. Uh, can we all put our hands together? Let's all pray. Uh, dear, <laughs> dear line items, dear oh, God. PL gods. Oh, God. right. whoa, whoa. Stop, stop. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, so you're going to have to join, uh, join James and I next, next Saturday night on the Saturday night sales service. The first official sales sermon. <laughs> first official sales sermon. Hey man, I I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a blast. I uh, I hope we've edified people as well as pissed them off. But uh, any last uh, any last words that you want to bring on the art and science of complex sales? The audience oh, today. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked for my last words. Okay, so 
here we go. Um, it's not a tombstone last words. I, no, this is fine. not like I, what you said. Okay. Of course. But I will say, uh, th- and this is, this is something that I'll echo from John, just changed my life as a salesperson. It's not our job to convince or persuade people to buy what we have. It's our job to sell what we have to the people that need it. And that feels very different. And it's supposed yes. to. Uh, So that's it. And if you want to learn more, sellbetter.xyz, come to The Daily Show. We are live every day with great sales leaders just like Paul. I'll have to have you on the show, man. It'll be a great time. Yeah, we'll have a a blast and uh, (laughs) we'll we'll kick some ass and have a blast. Well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. And everybody, thank you so much. Keep shining bright out there. And uh, we'll end today's episode of the Art and Science Complex Sales. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see Thank you so much for joining us today on the Art and Science of Complex Sales. Please take a moment, like, subscribe, share this podcast on all your favorite platforms, and let's get the word out. This podcast is proud to be brought to you by Membrane.com. We are the world's top B2B sales platform. And in the world of B2B sales, with everything from prospecting to business acquisition to managing complex growth, Membrane has the right size technology for your sales team. Our latest innovation, the Coaching Cockpit, empowers your leaders, managers, and team with the information and tools they need to take their skills to the next level and to take advantage of the exponential power of effective sales coaching. With our technology and the top team of sales partners around the world, Membrane is helping to achieve our driving vision. This is, quite simply, elevating the sales profession. To learn more, find us at www.membrane.com, that is M-E-M-B-R-A-I-N.com, or contact us via email at sales at membrane.com. Keep shining bright and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.